Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. We got a crew tonight uh, for you for this week's episode. Uh, We're talking turkeys again. This is turkeys episode two. Uh, We got Ron Jitter making his debut here on the podcast. What's up, Ron? How are we doing? Good, man. It's good to see you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. dude. Good to have you. And we got Dan and Tyler joining us as well. What's up, guys? Hey, What's welcome, up? guys. Thank you. And then here, batting cleanup, we got the one and only, the pretty boy of HLE himself, Evan. What's going <laughs> on, brother? Hey, what's up, man? Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, man, good to have you on. We had a lot of uh, really good feedback about your elk episode this week. I got a lot of messages about it, man. Good. Good. That makes me happy to hear. Hopefully, they were all shit-talking Luke and Perry. <laughs> Anything that gives Luke a hard time makes you happy, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole reason I'm here is just to make his life a little more difficult. I can't make anything easy on him, you know? That's right. That's right. Well, sweet, man. Let's get right into it. Uh, I know Evan and John and I were talking before we hit record here, but we got turkeys on the mind. Um, I thought we might make a series out of uh, turkey tips. Uh, This season leading up to everybody's turkey season. So this will be the second iteration of those tips. And we are just going to milk every tip that people got for these Thunder Chickens out of the entire HLE team. So, Dan, why don't you hit us up with your tip or tips that you got for listeners this week? Yeah, man, I appreciate it. So uh, my my tip's going to be kind of more focused on hunting uh, the old dino chickens with uh, a bow and a Big tip. I mean, obviously, when you're hunting, hunting them, you're walking through the woods. You're on the stalk, right? I mean, I'm from the Midwest, and I'm used to hunting deer, and it's a completely different animal over here. So, one way I really like to practice shooting my bow is from a seated or from a kneeling position, drawing almost straight on, really trying to minimize movement. Um, I mean, we all know they got those laser eyesights. And you're just trying to cut down any excess of movement you got. I mean, drawing a bow is going to be enough movement. Probably going to scare them off. It is what it is. But you really practice on just keeping things smooth. Um, and, and also with practicing, I got one of those Reinhardt, uh, like a nine-inch ball target you just kind of throw out there. And I'll throw it out in my backyard. And I shoot it anywhere from 13 to 18 yards roughly. And just practice hitting within that kill zone. Um, usually I, you know, I throw my decoy spread about 15 yards where I want to hunt. And um, it just kind of helps me just practicing all those in-between yards between there. No, that's good, man. I really like that. And I really liked your uh, Instagram post that you had up uh, this week, practicing in your backyard, kind of shooting from a seated position. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a really good tip for any type of hunting, right? Like shooting mm-hmm. from the position that you're actually could be in, in the field, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been like deer hunting and when I'm drawing, it's not at that perfect, you know, sideways draw that you want where you practice and that you're more kind of drawing straight on or off to the side. So yeah, practice. I mean, when I practice, practice, like I'm in a hunting situation. Yeah, that's a good tip, man. That really is. There's there's a lot of merit that goes to that. It's We all get complacent sometimes, I think, when we're shooting our bows. I know I do. You just go out there and stand in the yard on a flat surface and have your target out in a nice manicured lawn and shoot 
20 to 50 arrows and call it a day. But yeah, getting out there and throwing, getting elevated, shooting kneeling, shooting straight on, especially with turkeys. Cause unless you're, unless you're hunting turkeys from a deer stand, I'd say you're probably going to be on the ground. So that's good, man. Yeah. Thanks man. Which I don't know if it's like y'all, but during deer season, I see 10 million turkeys. You could shoot them from the deer stand during <laughs> turkey season. I end up seeing 10 million deer. So maybe Absolutely. you could. Yeah. Maybe I'll go out during uh, turkey or deer season, pretend I'm turkey hunting, you know, flip, flip the script on them. Yeah, no, exactly. When we were up at your farm, Evan, uh, I was blown away that there's a uh, fall turkey season up in Virginia and that we could go out and go shoot a hen. Yeah, I actually lost two arrows in an attempt to back a fall uh, turkey with my bow, shooting at one a group of jakes moving through the woods and then one hen that was at like 40 yards and i sailed them both i swear on one i nicked the feathers but yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see we'll get it done one day you know one day one day sweet well tyler hit us with some wisdom from montana let me unmute myself here so what I, what i you know i grew up on the east coast and so specifically in new hampshire you can only hunt turkeys till noon uh so you have to be ready to check every single regulation in each state that you're hunting in. So I know here in Montana, you can hunt turkeys from dawn to dusk. So um, there's there's a lot of regulations out there and every state is very different. So just make sure that when you're hunting turkeys, uh, whether it's spring or fall, obviously here in Montana, you can hunt turkeys uh, from dawn to dusk in spring, but it has to be a bearded turkey. Now, that's not saying that it has to be a male. It doesn't have to be a Tom. It just has to be a bearded Turkey. So um, this last year I saw a handful of hens with beards, which is very strange. Um, but that is a legal harvestable animal. Um, but the biggest thing for me uh, when it comes to turkeys is locating them at in the evening when they're in the roost. So just check out where they're going. You know, a lot of times they're down in the farmlands, um, river bottoms, things like that. There's a lot of food, water, and shelter for them down there. Um, and just make sure that um, you find the birds and, you know, call the turkeys are, I, I just love shooting them. Shoot, I shoot them with a bow mostly, but just make sure that you're doing it within the regulations. Like I said, you know, New Hampshire, you can only hunt turkeys till noon. So you only have a small window between sunrise to, to noon. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of opportunities. I've only hunted only hunted turkeys in New Hampshire, uh, Washington, and Montana, but each state was very different. So um, the biggest thing is just make sure that you know you don't want to shoot a turkey afternoon in New Hampshire because you're going to be in some big trouble if you get caught. So uh, just make sure that you guys are on the regulations for that. No, that's good, man. What uh, what what type of turkeys are y'all hunting in Montana? So in Montana, we have, um, we have Eastern turkeys, believe it or not. And then we have Merriam turkeys, which are like the really white tip feathers. Um, but there are also, so the turkey I have above me, I don't know if you guys can see it, but like up behind me, it's actually a hybrid where an Eastern, uh, made it with a Merriam. So it's kind of like more, uh, not super vibrant white, but more of like a gold sort of tip, um. I don't think we have anything else other than that, but um, Eastern turkeys are are the bigger of the turkeys, and the Merriams, I, I think, besides the Osceolas, are are the prettiest. 
Is it Merriam or Merriam's? With an S. I would say Merriam and then multiples Merriam's. Yeah, for sure. The hunting public disagrees with you, brother. I got to say, <laughs> I was just watching it. They, they were, they were, they were talking about it on there. I, I was like, I always thought it was Merriam with a no S too, but they were, I don't know. I don't fucking know. So I wanted to see what y'all thought. Oh, I don't know. Pan, if you ask some people from the South, if you ask some people some, from the South what acorn sounds like, they say acorns. So I don't know. That's how you say it. No, I don't know. That's, that's, see, that's, that's another, uh, that's another thing I'm willing to dive into. You Southern boys talk funny. <laughs> hey, man, I, I got to go with Tyler on that one, man. Us, us Northern boys, they're acorns up here, all right? Not it's in the dictionary, A-C-E-R-N-S. <laughs> I'll tell you all what I tell people that rag on me at work for my, the way I talk. I don't, speak, I don't speak English. I speak American, one of the 13 originally, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not a word doctor. That's right. Here. You'll appreciate that, Carter, since you're a history teacher. That's right. I, uh, yeah, I couldn't get hired on as a language arts teacher because I say acres. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. Ron Jitter. Buddy, enlighten us. All right, so my tip this week involves getting on birds on either a new property or property where you haven't had time to scout. Um, so first off, I'll just I'll mention that all my turkey hunting has been on the East Coast, so I've only dealt with Eastern Turkey. Um, but this is this is a tactic that I've grown into honestly in the last few years, and sometimes I'll just use it as my primary tactic if I. It's a little bit fun, and you know if you're hunting property this far away and you don't want to drive out an hour to, to scout and find a specific bird, this still gets you in the game. So I have found that Turkey generally start gobbling, you know, 30, 45 minutes before sunrise and they'll fly down right around sunrise. So I will try to find an area that I imagine has less pressure. Um, this past season, I found like a, a trail that drove into some public and it was blocked off. And from that spot, I walked in like an extra, not even that far, honestly, maybe half a mile, three quarters of a mile, just far enough. All the lazy people won't go. And, uh, you don't have to get in there that early, man. If you're, as long as you get to your spot that you generally want to hunt about an hour before sunrise, that gets you time to get in there and start listening for birds. And I won't even set up. So on this particular hunt, I found uh, a spur that came off a ridge that was probably, the spur probably went down 600 meters and it was probably 400 meters across. So basically from the top of that ridge, I just walked down at like 200 meters, keep myself high. And I had two creeks on either my left or my right that ran down to a main like wider creek. Um, Cause I've also found that a lot of these birds roost either on high ground or over water. So on three sides of me, I had water and then behind me was high ground. And then I literally just stand there with my decoys on my back and listen. And I, I'll w let one bird rip off and I'll give it about 10 minutes. And if I don't hear anything else, I just start taking off in that direction that I heard that gobble. If I hear something else in that 10 minutes, I'll kind of, uh, and I mean, you know, the birds are being vocal. Let's say it's like a shaping up to be a, a bluebird sky day, which is when I've noticed the most gobbling. I will, uh, I'll just wait a little bit longer and see if I can't get anything closer or there's one bird that's more fired up and, and move that way. Dude, you're talking about the waiting 10 minutes after you hear them fire off in the morning. That is the longest 10 minutes in the world. I'm convinced, man. It's like a thousand years. It is. It can be, it can be brutal. And it's, it's also very, very tempting to call 
back in that moment, which I try not to do because I honestly am not the greatest caller and I can't, there's differences between tree yelps and ground yelps. And I'm not confident enough to be able to differentiate in my own calling, but it, it can be quite difficult to wait that 10 minutes. Yeah, man. Hey, I was wondering what's your, uh, what's your thought then on a uh, shot goblin when you're walking out there? Yeah. So that's something that I'll do is I, I will shot gobble if I haven't heard anything for sure. Um, yeah. I, I normally don't in the beginning. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I like to just let the birds do it on their own on the off chance that it's been pressured and they've heard it before, especially if it's a brand new area to me. I did pass some cars on the way in there. So I was, I didn't know what kind of pressure was in there. Um, but I, I had a new guy with me. It was his first time turkey hunting and I hadn't scouted anything. He was begging me to go. I'm like, all right, we'll go to this property. I had birds in another property, but it was, it was closed off it was that, for that, that weekend. Okay. And we actually ended up going out there. I heard one fire off to my right first. I waited 10 minutes and I heard a closer one to my left and we took off and got set up probably and that's always this guessing game like are they going to see me getting close because if you do this tactic like the sun's coming up right so you do have that loss of stealth especially if you're on like ag um or agriculture but i was in the woods so i was able to push in there pretty close i ended up seeing these birds fly down uh, had i looking at onyx all the all the ground around me was the same uh but then when i ended up walking out so these birds pitched down on the other side of the creek uh, that I walked, that I had set up on and I never saw them again. Right. But it was still exciting. We had that half hour where we were talking to the birds and I was, I was convinced they were going to come in. And then on the walk out, that was the other thing. I'm like, all right, these birds went up into the left. Why did they do that? So I crossed that Creek and kind of followed where they had gone. And at the top of the hill on the, you know, the side that they pitched down on, there was this, you know, big cutout of of woods that had been burned the year prior, which Turkey loved that new growth because it mm -hmm. brings all you know, the insects are all in there. And had I, had I hunted that property even one time before I would have just set up in that, in that burned out area and they, they would have come probably right in. Oh yeah. 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 See up in, uh, up where I'm at, there's a lot of, I don't know if you guys heard of the Kirkland wobbler or warbler. Um, but they, the DNR up here do a lot of controlled burns. So there's lots of that good turkey environment in those areas. And it's all state land. So that's cool, man. Good tip. Yeah. And then just like kind of to conclude that hunt, uh, I ended up running into two other groups once I got back to the truck. And they were telling me how rough this piece of public had been. And, uh, and they had hunted separately. And they were just sitting there talking about how they hadn't heard anything gobbling like seven or eight days, you know, and I'm sitting over there, like hitting my buddy who had never hunted before poking him in the chest, you know, like, do not tell these dudes that <laughs> it's the first time we've been here. And we just, cause, and that sometimes that's all it takes, man. We literally, and I, I'm talking, we walked a half to three quarters of a mile down a road. Like there was this big berm where you couldn't drive any further. All you had to do was walk up and over it. And we walked in a little bit further and we're, we were immediately on birds. And sometimes in situations like that too, when you know other dudes have been struggling, just hearing the gobbles is almost as good as killing a bird. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's sweet, man. Evan, you and I have the experience or the privilege of being able to hunt some private land and not have to deal with yahoos on public, man. What you got for us this week? Yeah, so I've got two. Uh, both will be quick and both will be geared kind of towards the novice hunter. The first one, some of you experienced turkey hunters might laugh at, but it it worked for me. So I'm going to throw it out there and maybe it'll help a 
um, another novice turkey hunter out there. Um, so that th the first tip is going to be on calling um, and obviously practice, right? Like practice those calls. I know for me, I'm in the truck a lot for work. So I, uh, you know, I can't have my diaphragm or correction. I can't have my pot call, or my box call in the truck. I mean, I guess I could hit a stoplight, but it's easier just to have a diaphragm call sitting there in the cup holder and I'll just practice um, while I'm driving. And that, that really helped. And to the point to where I know shit got better on a diaphragm call than I was on like a pot call, like a slate call, which I know is not the norm. Um, but I would just have YouTube videos of actual hens yelping and clucking and putting, not people doing it, not instructional videos, but just turkey sounds. And then I would be pausing and trying to mirror those sounds and play it. And that went a long way for me. And then the second part of that first tip is that y'all might make fun of me for this, but it worked great for me is I have a shit memory. Um, I'm going to blame that on the army and all the fucking brain injuries I have. But so what I ended up doing is making a cheat sheet. And so like I wrote down that the types of calls and what they are used for, because I would get out in the woods and I would find myself like, I'd be like, okay, I'm watching all these instructional videos. I'm reading all this literature or like John, he's the one that really taught me how to turkey hunt. Um, and I would brain dump the information. I'd be out in the woods and I was like, okay, this turkey's hanging up. What should, what kind of call should I make? And I wouldn't be able to remember. So I'd be on my phone, like Googling techniques in the woods. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make a little cheat sheet and laminate it and put it in my turkey vest. And that worked really well for me. Um, and again, I'm a novice hunter with a shitty memory. And so I didn't have everything uh, committed to heart, committed to memory. And it, and it, it worked for me. Uh, the second tip is patience. And I know that I... One of the reasons I love turkey hunting is it's so active. You're running and gunning um, a lot of the times and you're moving around, you're responding to them, they're responding to you. Uh, but one thing I learned, it ended up being successful. The first bird I got last year, um, and this is the, the old timers, the, the experienced tur turkey hunters in my hometown think that the reason the turkeys aren't gobbling when they come off the roost is due to coyotes. So basically where this patience comes in is you'll have a vocal bird on the roost like John says, it's gobbling his head off between, you know, 30 and 45 minutes prior to the sun comes up, sun comes up, he gobbles once or twice, and then it's dead silent. And like, I, I can't tell how many times this past season, I had four to five turkeys gobbling on our piece of property before the sun would come up. And I was just trying to find the closest to one. And then it would be absolute silence from the time the sun came up till noon when you, you had to legally stop hunting. Um, and so I started trying to figure out, I was doing research on like how to hunt silent birds and patience was the biggest one they said, because they got so used to not calling and not being vocal. I'm thinking because of predators and I'm getting that from other people. That's not information and research that I did on my own, but, um, and so I just implemented just being patient and waiting and the turkeys are still moving and responding to those calls, even if they're not responding vocally. And it was kind of a boring morning, but I still call it every 10 to 15 minutes, um, mixing it up a little bit. And then sure as shit, two and a half hours after sitting there, a gobbler that, uh, moved across, I, I called him in from a neighbor's piece of property. He crossed the road and a Creek and, uh, he ended up gobbling 15 meters away and then walked out right in front of, um, a shooting lane. And I ended up getting him right at my Jake decoy. So that patience can pay off. So those are my two, um, calling, practice your calling. And then if you need to make yourself a little cheat sheet and then, uh, just patience in the Turkey woods, especially early season. And the reason why early season, I forgot to expand on that is a lot of times those hens haven't been bred. So there's more hens. So a lot of times the gobblers will be with 
a group of hens. Um, and so they might be hanging out there, but after, after a little while, that's why you'd be patient and they, they can move into you. But that's all I got. That's good, man. I've never heard of the, uh, cheat sheet method right there. I, I love that, man. Yeah, I did that. I do it with work, you know, like, like, and when I'm in Afghanistan, I can't remember, I can't remember explosive calculations and distances and all the things <laughs> that I have to remember and shit. And so I have a cheap sheet, a laminated piece of paper in my pocket, you know, same, you know, and it's got all sorts of information on it, call for fires and medevac stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do the same thing for fucking turkey calls. <laughs> call for fires and explosive calculations on one side. And then should I cluck? Should I yelp? Or should I purr on the other side just to do it all? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the truck tip is really great, and that's that's actually how I learned how to to waterfall call for ducks and geese. Um, because one, you have the time, and two, if you have a wife or kids, uh, I'm sure you guys are aware that it is impossible. Mm-hmm. They will they hate you when you try to learn how to pick up a new calling technique in the house. Maybe that's how you get you some alone time is you just start turkey calling all over the house <laughs> and they leave. <laughs> all right, Carter. So hit us uh, hit us with your tip today, man. Uh. Sure. All right. My tip's a little lackluster, I think, uh, (laughs) as probably the least experienced turkey hunter here. But I think uh, hunting with a partner when you're turkey hunting is really beneficial. That teamwork aspect when you're turkey hunting can give you an edge, especially with these birds when they're especially cagey or, uh, I guess, flighty, uh, like Evan was talking about. If if they are quiet off the roost, if there are a lot of coyotes in the area, uh, a lot of predators, if they are a little more on edge. So hunting with uh, another person gives you the advantage of having a collar and a shooter. And if you can have three people too, you can have two collars and really introduce kind of a more natural scenario uh, to bring turkeys in. Um, So I guess the setup I was taught was have your shooter set up in a good position and then have the collar 30 yards behind or to the right or left of the shooter. Um, And I've, I have no experience of this, but I've heard or read that there's similar setups when you're uh, archery elk hunting as well um, to try and bring that bird or whatever into the kill zone. Um, it's a, it's very easy for turkeys to pin down one caller, especially within a hundred yards. If you're going to overcall and call within when that bird's within a hundred yards, they will pin you down. Their brain is the size of an acorn, but they can, like pick oh, out the exact God. tree, <laughs> the exact tree that you're sitting under, man. Um, there's, they're smart in that way. So at least with two people, you can kind of keep them, keep them guessing that way, or at least get them close enough to blast them. And selfishly, I like hunting with another person too. Hunting's like very social for me. And some of my best memories hunting are with, I like sharing those highs and lows with another person. Uh, so yeah, benefit, go with somebody. Yeah, man. I just wanted to throw in there. Uh, you brought up a great point with how they can pin you down. And and one of the most informative podcasts I ever listened to on the subject of turkeys was a meat eater podcast. And they had on this turkey biologist from Virginia Tech. And this guy is like the bee's knees when it came to any and everything turkeys. And I highly recommend um, anyone out there, an experienced turkey hunter, a rookie turkey hunter, an intermediate turkey hunter, it doesn't matter. I'm guaranteed you'll be able to listen to that podcast and pull something away from that. And one thing they talk about is exactly what Carter was just alluding to is the, their ability to geolocate is absolutely uncanny, like within, you know, five meters. And they did a study where 
uh, and I'll try to keep this brief. They did a study essentially where they put Jeep, they had GPS marked turkeys and then they GPS hunters on this large track of uh, like essentially controlled public. And they watched where the turkeys were. They watched where the turkey hunters called and the turkey hunters were documenting. So they had good data. Um, And then the turkey hunters would move. And without a hunter being there calling, the turkeys would respond within five meters, I want to say, of where those hunters were on the ground. Sometimes like hours later, which goes back into that patience when you're in the turkey woods. But maybe they would hear that hen yelp, i.e. the hunter, um, and they wouldn't really respond. And then a few hours later, they would come check out that spot within five meters of where that hunter was sitting, which I just found really interesting. Yeah, I was going to, uh, Tyler, I think that was like the one with the wild turkey doc on it, um, which is a great, man. And, you know, most of us are on Instagram there. Uh, the wild turkey doc, I know Ranella talks about them all the time, but that is some great content right there. A lot of good information on, on the socials. So, you know, highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, I'd like to like just, you know, point a couple of things out that like, you know, people who don't hunt turkeys quite a bit um, will see, you know, birds in people's front yards and they think, oh, it's super easy or these are just dumb birds. But when you're hunting wild birds out in like, you know, prairies or timber or whatever it may be, people fail to realize that turkey's eyesight is three times better than the human eyesight. You know, they see color uh, and they can see a 270 degree point of view. So, a lot of times when guys that I've, you know, had the privilege of taking out to go turkey hunting, they're like, oh, can I shoot now? I'm like, don't, you know, if they're bow hunting them. I'm like, you, you got to wait till they're fully fanned up and turned away from you. Um, because if, if you don't, they will see you. Um, like I said, that you know, their eyesight is incredible and they're not, you know, the big toms are obviously just like any other big animal. They don't just get lucky and they just, oh, we're just, we're good to go. They're they're smart animals, um, or birds anyways. So, um, the biggest point of that is just like camo is a huge deal. When you're set up against a tree blind, you can't just be out there and just red flannel hunting, hoping for the best, you know, the turkeys are going to see you. But, uh, this past year I had the opportunity to hunt with, uh, a group of people for, through PB Abate and black rifle copy coffee and, uh, and, and guide some guys out there. And, and what we notice is that during that time, you know, the initial push on opening day is tough because the, these hens are not bred yet. And so a lot of these birds are kind of ganged up together. But once these hens start to get bred, um, every day after their first initial descent from the roost and they kind of hang out, the hens will disappear and they'll go lay one egg a day. That's what they'll do for the next five, six days. So during that time, when all the hens are bred, you have these lonesome, uh, lackluster, you know, horny toms who are like, Hey, we're still trying to breed as much as we can. Um, they'll be looking for a lonesome hen who's ready to have the, the fun time. So, uh, that's the best time that I've noticed, especially, or that's, that's the best time I've noticed to kill turkeys is when, you know, mid season, you know, a couple weeks afterwards when the hens are starting to get away from the whole the flock of turkeys. And then you have a handful of Jakes and Toms who are just fighting for who's the next female that we can breed. You get these Toms that are just, they become really stupid and they'll come to any call and they start wandering in. And that's for me, the best time to kill turkeys because they just, 
they come into almost anything and they come in hot and ready to rock and roll. And it's you sitting there with a 12 gauge. Desperate turkeys make for easy killing, you know, turkey hunting is a good, is a good way to, it's like the first thing you can hunt every year, especially, you know, in Montana, you have the opportunity to hunt elk and antelope. So, um, when it comes to eyesight, obviously spot and stock antelope is really fun, but also extremely miserable. So, if you can get within, you know, shooting range on a Tom, you know, you kind of hone your skills into, to make sure that you can get that distance with a, 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 an antelope as well. That's good, man. Really good tips this week, guys. I really appreciate it. Ron Jitter, you got any closing thoughts for us? I mean, I th- the biggest thing is just to, to get out there, right? Like that's the biggest tip. And that it's kind of in correlation to what, to what I said, like, or what my tip was. If you don't have time to scout, just get out there and listen. At the end of the day, just chase gobbles. Uh, I've had a lot of success pinpointing birds and roosting them and getting within 100 meters. But at the end of the day, you know, watch one episode of The Hunting Public and just realize that you can walk in there half a mile past everybody else and be on birds and on any public ground uh, if you don't have the ability to hunt private. No, that's good. That's really important to remember, too, for whatever season it is. That's a, that's an excellent, excellent tip. Dan, you want to, uh, recap your, your tips real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, archery hunting turkeys, man, adds a whole new level. So just really practice, 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 practice shooting from those kneeling seating positions, drawing from different angles, drawing straight on, and then, uh, just practice within that 15 to 18 yard for, uh, you know, shooting them, putting your decoys out. So, they, they never stand still. That's the only problem. So you're always going to anticipate their movements. No, that's good, man. Tyler, you want to recap yours real quick? Uh, I just want to harp on, you know, everybody talked about it this podcast, but just patience, man. Like th- these are wild animals as, as, as much as they seem to be very stupid birds. Sometimes, you know, they are, you're in their house. So you have to trick them into, coming into your call. So just patience, you know, don't, don't be quick to shoot the gun and just, you know, make a decision that you're going to regret later on and, and just, you know, be patient and, and just make sure that your, your gear and everything's ready to rock and roll before you make that shot. Evan, you want to round up your tip and then close this out? Yeah, sounds good, man. So big ones for me were, Calling, um, getting your practice in preseason, knock the rust off, get out those calls. Um, I, I know for me that like the first few times I call after getting them out of the vest, it's it sounds pretty terrible. You know, I don't want that to happen while I'm in the woods. So, you know, I like I've I've got the calls out now a few months prior to turkey season, and I got it in my truck, and I'm going to be hitting those yelps and clucks and putts and purrs between here and opening day to make sure I'm ready to go. And then the other one, uh, Tower alluded to, is patience. Um, and then the the one that Carter liked was the little cheat sheet for remembering what what those calls go to for especially for you rookie hunters, novice hunters like me who can't memorize everything when you're in the woods. But that's all I got. Uh, appreciate everyone coming on here and giving their tips. I hope you listeners find this stuff useful. If not, uh, give us some feedback. Um, go to HLE official. Check out the website, drop some comments, hit some likes, give it some shares. But we appreciate the hell out of everybody, and we'll catch you guys next time.